Hello and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce Odyssey podcast. I'm here with Butch Tanier from Pricing. Butch, would you like to tell us a bit about your product, please? Yeah, sure, sure. First of all, thanks a lot for having me. So like real briefly, pricing is a competitor price tracking and dynamic pricing software for e-commerce companies of all sizes, like literally from all around the world, because we like thankfully currently work with uh, like merchants from more than 60 countries. And the way the way the product works is, I would say, pretty straightforward. So like most of the cases, the, the merchants are doing this competitor price tracking thing manually. So they literally like visit through all their competitor websites on, for example, browsers and copy and paste all the competitor prices into an Excel spreadsheet. And then depending on all those competitor prices, they come up with a like ideal price point for their products. So our technology kind of mimics all that repetitive process. Uh, in an automated way. So it collects all the competitor prices from the internet automatically, like displays everything in a web dashboard. And also like finally lets those merchants to like uh, define smart price rules as we call them to reprice their products automatically on the fly. So that's how it works. Okay. So can you actually, uh, you know, when you see, cause obviously there's, you know, there's, I can see the use of this from a kind of merchant's point of view and also from a brand's point of view. So as a, as a, you know, brands can be interested in who has been changing the price because what they want to see is the person who moved it first and then somebody yeah. moved it later. Can you see like a price history and yeah, see yeah, you know, the, the, the history mm-hmm. of the prices? Well, and mm-hmm. uh, can you, I mean, do you, is it just the, what, 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 you know, what channels do you work on? Is it just, you know, the web chat? Is it just, you know, like a Shopify website channel? Or do you also work with things like Amazon and eBay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, well, starting from the last question, we work with, with, with multi-channels. Actually, we, we actually can collect data regardless of the channel. So as long as there is actually a publicly listed price point online, we can capture that price information in our database and eventually like demonstrate that to our clients. And you also are absolutely right with this brand perspective. So like the majority of our clients are yeah, like retailers doing this comparison uh, versus the competitors, but we also serve... I would say like plenty of brands, kind of like 15%, 20% of our client base also constitutes of brands who are in need of price monitoring, again, from that very perspective that you mentioned. So they also want to see which of their resellers are more aggressive with their price points, which of them are offering maybe like, again, more aggressive and more frequent discounts, who basically undercuts those recommended prices first and so on. So we also help those brands to like only monitor that information so they can see, for example, their resellers prices versus their uh, like recommended prices. And they can exactly see this in an historical way. So not just today's data or maybe like a recent data, but they can actually trace back each and every price point for each and every seller uh, in in a calendar view in our application. So we also store this data in in our database. Okay, so how do you actually index these products? Is it just, you know, do you index Google Shopping or is it, is there a, you know, so if you've got multiple different different websites selling product, right? Mm-hmm. Some of them might not be selling on Google Shopping mm-hmm. and some might be using them on barcode or have bad data. How do you make sure you've captured all the data? Yeah, it's actually, again, uh, in, in, in various ways. So the, the, the most straightforward and I would say the most common way is just like you said, using barcodes typically on Google Shopping. So because there's structured data already, so you can see, like all those sellers for that particular product. So that's the like easy part of the pie, I would say. But for the rest of the internet, uh, like we also use various ways to map those, let's say competitor prices versus uh, versus our merchant. For example, 
Even one way of doing that is actually utilizing uh, like uh, manual work. So we sometimes on some projects uh, like, uh, like use our team, uh, we have a spe special team like a, you can imagine this something like a product data entry team in an e-commerce organization. So th those people are actually helping our merchants to set up their account initially by mapping all their competitor information versus theirs. So where, for example, the product information lacks, you know, standard product codes, barcodes, et cetera. So they are simply following the guidelines provided by the merchant. So they say, for example, use this configuration information, brand name, you know, product name, product description and so on. So the bottom end of this process is like fully manual. And the top end is like I said, barcode based, fully automated, uh, let's say method. And in between, we also can apply like hybrid approach. For example, we can also collect uh, like the, the data on a particular website by direct scraping. We can scrape, for example, product code information from different websites and then merge them all together and make a singular database. So in a way we mimic Google Shopping. So we kind of build our own Google Shopping in some sense. So, but all in all, it's actually uh, in a wide spectrum from 100% manual to 100%. Okay, so, so, if you, okay so, so I run an e-commerce business. I sell on, uh, we sell on our own website. We sell mm -hmm. on Amazon, we sell on eBay. We also sell on some other third-party platforms. And a lot of these platforms, they all advertise on Google Shopping. Mm -hmm. right? So what is your, and one question is, you know, you end up competing against your, yourself because, you know, it's the same product on your website of Google Shopping and then eBay then lists that product on Google Shopping. Mm -hmm. How would you recommend, you know, have you got any ideas what the best strategy would be in terms of how not to compete against yourself? Mm -hmm. Yeah, firstly, like my distinguishing, uh, like your competitors on Amazon and eBay. So we, we actually at least have this, let's say, technological sophistication that helps you not to compete against your own listings on different marketplaces. So we identify those. Yeah. That's what I mean. But also from another perspective, the way the way we kind of uh, like nudge, I would say, our, our, our merchants is that like they should actually think about the competition from the consumer's point of view. So for example, for eBay, uh, if, uh, for example, the majority of certs are starting from eBay instead of uh, ending on eBay, starting from Google Shopping, they should actually only, for example, focus on their eBay specific competition for the eBay prices. So they don't, for example, need to benchmark their eBay listing prices versus, I don't know, Amazon or versus other third party listings. So they should really focus on the competitive landscape on eBay. The same holds true for Amazon because, you know, Amazon listings don't ever get published on Google Shopping. So the Amazon buy box competition is specific to Amazon. And for their, let's say, third party platform like Shopify, Magento, whatever, they also need to do the same for those, let's say, independent, like first party retailers competing against them. So I suggest like distinguishing those competitive landscape from each other. But also like in some cases, for example, we hear that there are some, let's say, technological bottlenecks where the merchant really needs to publish the very same price point on different platforms. So this causes sometimes like some frictions, but if they have the enough flexibility, we actually recommend them just like what I said. So we help them, we actually, yeah, tell them to focus on each and every competitor. So basically to, to do it separately and not, but also not compete against yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, true. Okay, that's good advice. And okay, so, you know, an issue that I've, I've found is that it's, it's easy to compare the price of a product against the same product. So you, mm -hmm. you batch by barcode and you say, okay, you know, make me competitive within this, within this product. But, you know, when you go onto Google Shopping and you do a search for something, then, you know, first off, you'll see a list of results and you'll see you know, this product, but also other products. 
And it's, you know, how do you optimize the product of your, your the price of your product, not just against the same product, the same barcode, but against the market of products that, or similar products within, say, the same category? Mm -hmm. well, good question. Uh, you know, frankly speaking, we are more powerful in the context where companies are benchmarking products versus the same products. So like the, yeah. not, not, not in the case of subsidies, but we also have a decent number of merchants who are exactly doing what you said with our software. And the way they do it is actually, honestly, uh, in, a, in a way that they define those other substitute products themselves without us actually automatically identifying those substitute or alternative products. So the way it works is that they construct their pricing account, their, their account with us in a way that they benchmark their own product uh, price versus another product's price by mainly about by actually like voluntarily defining those competitive uh, links. So they, they pick this particular link on Google Shopping and they want to regard that other substitute product as a competitor. And they define this competitive landscape themselves in their dashboard. And then our monitoring actually takes that information into account. So it starts to actually benchmark those other substitute products prices versus our merchants like alternative products. Can you actually, I mean, okay, so I've got 5,000 products, mm -hmm. right? What I would like is something which, and, and, and a lot of those are basically, you know, being repriced against substitutes, but some, we are the cheapest mm -hmm. and yet we're not selling that much of it. But then we found when we cut the price, we actually sold more. Mm -hmm. Can your system run kind of experiments where mm -hmm. it basically say, okay, you're not selling much of that. Let's try cutting the price and see what happens. And then mm -hmm. will it optimize the price in that kind of way? Yeah, that's the direction we are heading towards, to be honest. So at the moment, the way it works is that you can actually, you know, build such rules in the dashboard and yeah, the products will be get, you know, repriced, but the, 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 the analysis part still is on the merchant side at the moment. So we don't really have this automated cable to, to really come up with this, let's say, uh, let's say thought and say that, well, you just discounted with this product. So you made this extra profit margin. So let's stick to that. But this is actually kind of happening on the merchant side with our tools capabilities. But the way we would like to really structure this in the future is also being by being capable of doing that. So as the merchant kind of tests new rules, we also want to have some conclusions associated to those rules, let's say after a week, two weeks or so. But yeah, at the moment, the way it works is that we only let the merchant to reprice as they wish. And we actually do that automated work. And then they actually uh, do, their, they do, do their own bit of analysis. Okay, so also right, how do you, um... You know, how important is pricing? I mean, I know, we all know it's very important, but have you idea, I mean, is it the, you know, in terms of success factors, is it the very most important success factor, do you think? Yeah, sure. So full, full, full disclosure, I'm a bit biased on that. Yeah, so, obviously, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but still, you know, even if, if, if you just ignore my bias, I mean, there are, there are multiple sources of research like that actually defines, that actually states that pricing is the most important purchase criteria for consumers across the world. So not just in, I don't know, more price sensitive, like developing markets or something like in the UK as well, in the US as well. So about, I guess, like 50 plus percent consumers are actually naming price as the like single most important criteria before they make a purchase. Because why not, right? Because at the moment, you know, the, the path to purchase is mostly like Google or Amazon. And in those platforms, the way the merchants buy things is actually they just search for an item, end up with multiple offers either on Google or Amazon. And like 
obviously they care about other stuff as well, but as they have this like clear information about different price points on different merchants, I mean, they, they really have the, 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 the tendency to, to go through the like best alternatives than the worst alternative in terms of price. So as yeah. they have this technological capability, it has become more and more important. So the, the, the internet sort of killed this information asymmetry around like market prices. So that also forced merchants to be, sorry, customers to be more price sensitive. And this is not just being price sensitive. I mean, you really need to be price insensitive to really ignore uh, like price comparison in today's e-commerce. Yes, it is hard. It's, it's, it's hard because obviously the, the, mm-hmm. the, the cheaper prices get, you know, will you know, become top of the searches. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this, is, this, is, this, is, this is more of the competitive price part, but from the other angle, you know, the way our software works is that it's not always actually recommended this, recommending discounts. So maybe you might not believe me, but around 60, 65% of our repricing actions are actually price increases because, nice. you know, pricing is kind of the biggest profit lever, the, the, the most under underrated, like neglected, I would say, because, you know, in most cases, merchants are following a cost-based pricing approach. So they actually pay this much amount to their suppliers and add, I don't know, 10%, 15% on top of that. But they sometimes forget about the competitive prices and they might really end up underpricing their products. So they are not really reflecting price increases due to inflation, et cetera. And they suddenly underprice their products and they start to leave tons of money on the table. But by really like dealing with your prices in an updated way with, with an analytical approach, you can find plenty of price increase opportunities, which will still give you the very same sales volume but also help you a lot with the profit margin. So people are mostly yeah. forgetting forgetting about this part of the like pricing optimization, I would say. So they always think about, you know, a race to the bottom where you discount and discount and discount. But yeah, quite the contrary, like the automation can really help you with uh, like improving your profit margins, but also smartly, you know, increasing your prices. Okay, that was actually gonna be my next question. It basically, how do you do this and without losing all the money? Is it, is it a race yeah. to the bottom? And you uh, think yeah. well, not? No, 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 no. I absolutely don't think so. So yeah, depending on the strategy of the merchant. So there is this lost leader strategy, for example, in e-commerce. So you might pick a particular, let's say, segment of your assortment to be a lost leader, to drive a lot of traffic into your store, and then, you know, end up ideally like upselling other more high margin products. So if there is this strategy in place, yeah, like the technology can work in that direction. So it can continuously discount your item, keep you at the cheapest point, but also... The, the, the important part is that, you know, you also need to know which competitors you need to reprice against. So for example, a merchant will have ideally like potentially like tens of competitors in the market, but they don't necessarily need to reprice their products against each and every one of them, but maybe handpick a set of retailers to benchmark and reprice against. So this, this is also a way not to always follow the cheapest, fastest rabbit in the game, I would say, but by, by really finding your sweet spot. And also lastly, we also work interestingly with some like premium priced merchants who also do this price benchmarking, just not to be too expensive, if you know what I mean. So they actually set their prices to be always higher than, for example, the minimum price, maximum or average price of the market. But they also always want to be consistent with their with their premium position. So they don't want to be like too ex higher than the competitor, but always, I don't know, 25% higher than the market average. 
So yeah. this, this, this automation also helps with that. So not necessarily uh, causing a race to the bottom. Okay, so we've got, you know, so obviously, you know, in Google Shopping, they made a change a while back where you've got the paid ads and you've got the free ads, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, obviously the, the so you've got the chance of, and also in, in, the, in the Google Shopping ads, you've got, um, you know, the, you've got the adverts and they, the one on the left-hand side is the most um, important. Is it, okay, so first question is, is it possible to use pricing to get better positioning in the Google ads mm -hmm. other than just being one of the top, you know, mm -hmm. top 10 or something? Yeah, I mean, it, it totally helps with the position, but where it really helps is your your actually like conversion rates. So you can actually, you know, spend the, the, the ultimate CPC you like on the on the platform and, you know, get displayed and get clicks. But your price point really is the determining factor whether those clicks are actually going to convert into a sale or not. So like people will ideally like typically click on multiple search results or multiple ad clicks for a particular product and you know, they will, the, the, the shoppers will benchmark those different uh, like uh, prices on different stores and they will potentially eventually end up with the best offer in place. So unless you really optimize your prices while you are doing Google shopping campaigns, you might end up with a lot of unconverted, non-converted clicks at the end of the day, a terrible return on investment. So pricing optimization on Google Shopping really helps you with with, with return on investment, okay. like so, more than more than visibility. Okay, so here we go: free shipping or not free shipping? So should the shipping be included in the price or not? Mm -hmm. uh, like there are there are actually contradictory findings. So I don't really also have a, a particular position here, but I think it also depends on the industry. Where, for example, like if the shipping is really too high. I think like hiding that and actually adding that into, into, into price point might really inflate that. So what I mean is that if the buyer is already expecting a big shipping fee, don't really just you know, uh, like offer free shipping and try to add that to your price point, but just instead try to, offer, for example, for furniture, try to have a lower base price and an understandable shipping. But right. if, if, if it's just going to be, I don't know, $5, $3 on top of your price, Try to use free shipping more of a more as a, more as a marketing weapon. So it really okay. depends on the type of the product, I guess. Okay, because obviously when you see, you know, it, it's hard to know whether it's you know because obviously we, we, if you have someone pays for shipping, it means that the the item price can be less, mm -hmm. right? But then you know perhaps the conversion rate's lower. And but if you add the free shipping, then it makes the actual you know the item price more. And I just wonder, you know, it's hard to know what the, but it, you know, Google tends to, you know, looks at the landed price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a question of what is, is it better to have something which, you know, the, where, where they, the customer knows the full price upfront, you know, no surprises, mm -hmm. um, or is it, is it work better from a conversion point of view to just, you know, the first thing they see is the cheaper item price. I, think, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think, again, as you said, conversion, I think from the conversion point of view, in business in general, it's always uh, better to be transparent because at the end of the day, like you can generate a lot of clicks by hiding the eventual cost till the last point and you can get clicks, you can take people down to the funnel. But at the end of the day, they will just con convert really depending on the landed price, like final price. So instead of really hiding that, maybe you can just like try to be transparent as possible in the beginning so that you don't really get additional clicks that won't eventually convert because each and every click will cost you so again, yeah. from an efficiency perspective, like from return on investment perspective, being transparent probably makes more sense. Okay. So what? Okay. What platforms do you you integrate with? Uh, we we 
like I would say focus on Shopify prim primarily, but we also have an integration for Magento. So we have clients on both, but the thing is that our technology doesn't really require a direct integration. So we have a lot of like merchants that just use our technology in a standalone fashion where they like provide their product assortments to us via CSV or Excel imports without any integration in place. So they provide us their assortment and we actually can do the very same thing that we do for, for other platforms. And if they really want to integrate with our technology on platforms other than Shopify and Magento, we also have an API. So that also helps them to integrate their own platform like BigCommerce, WooCommerce, I don't know, with our application via this nice little like API piece of ours. So like, like theoretically speaking, we, we are integrated with everything, but we have our own native integrations with Shopify and Magento. And the focus of the company for the coming probably like quarters or years will be also Shopify. Okay, so I mean, do you do, for example, repricing on Amazon? Can, you, can people use your tool to do Amazon dynamic pricing? No, well, they can use it, but we are not really uh, doing this in, an, in a native fashion. So they need to do a bit of, uh, let's say, API integration, like I said. So we okay. can do the benchmarking automatically, but we will be eventually recommending them uh, like optimum price points. And those optimum price points need to be taken from our end via API and to be to be like placed okay. Shopify. And the same with the same with eBay, presumably. Yeah, yeah, same, same with eBay. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay. So what is the, what is the future for your product? Where do you see it going? Mm -hmm. Yeah, a great question. So the, the future really uh, lies on becoming more, let's say, broad in terms of pricing, because you know, from where you look at it, it really depends. But pricing is somewhat uh, a niche in itself. But also we are even doing a niche job in the like niche field of pricing. What I mean is that we are, we are particularly dealing with competitive repricing at the moment with our current offering. So like we discussed, we help merchants who are selling branded items that have like plenty of alternatives, competitors in the market. And your pricing is mostly dictated by those, let's say third party competitors. So you have like enough data in that context. But for example, on the other side of e-commerce, which is rising more and more nowadays, which is direct to consumer, for example, you kind of only have your own first party data. So you don't have direct competition yeah. for your product, but you have your own data like conversion rates, I don't know, traffic, cost, etc. So we kind of want to build a broader pricing automation technology, which considers competitive prices only as a as one of those signal factors to come up with the optimum prices. So we will be adding additional rule parameters like inventory levels, conversion rates, and all those other first party data that merchants already have access to. And we will actually try to provide a more sophisticated rule-based engine for, for merchants to reprice. And ideally, like if we can actually make that uh, a year or so later, we also want to have this capability that you just asked for. So like uh, being able to analyze the outcomes of our recommendations so that we can build a machine learning enabled, AI enabled like technology around that, which will eventually come up with uh, like rules on behalf of merchants. So it will say the merchant, uh, for example, that you should discount 10% for that product because your inventory levels increase this much. So you should get rid of that dead stock and so on. So yeah, like I, I would say we will be dealing with other parts of pricing, but we will stick to pricing because well, the name name implies yeah, so we, cannot, we cannot change industries for now. Yeah. Cool, okay, right. Um, tell me one last fluffy question. What has inspired you recently? Could be anything. Uh, 
I think maybe like the, the, the inflation inflation is now really, really actually, uh, maybe this might be a too geeky thing, but you know, we are based in Istanbul, Turkey. Uh, and, and in Turkey, we are quite used to living with inflation. But I am also now finding interesting opinions, perspectives, because inflation is kind of also becoming a global thing because of increased energy prices and so on. Yeah. And I, am, I am also like really curious to see where the economy will really end up in, in, in the global world. And I'm, I'm also really happy to see increased demand for our technology because of inflation becoming a global phenomenon. So I don't know whether you would call this inspiration or not. Uh, I, 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 I'm kind of like really in the in the perfect geeky sense. Well, so there's a there's a silver there's a so there's a silver there's a silver lining to this cloud. You know, it's good for price inflation means so inflation means more price changes, which means more work for you. Yeah, hopefully well, it will make 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 pricing automation more relevant. Like people yes. really will really understand its importance. That's what I wish for. But, but it's great. It's been great to talk to you, and I, I look forward to investigating your product more. Same year, same year. Stay safe. Bye. Bye-bye.